the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I like the words of an anonymous writer. Money will buy a bed but not sleep. Books but not brains. Food but not appetite. A house but not a home. Medicine but not health. Amusement but not happiness. A crucifix but not a savior. A passport that can take you anywhere in the world but heaven. It should make us sit up and take note. know the truth, Philip DeCourcy is diving deeper into the book of Ecclesiastes. This book of the Bible has intrigued believers and non-believers alike. And in this new study, Philip is asking the age-old question, what is the meaning of life? And taking it a step further, how do we discover our purpose and significance in a world that is riddled with pain and pleasure, good and evil, life and death? We're camping in chapter one to continue part two of a message. It's titled, The Road to Nowhere. Three ministers were discussing the question, when does life begin? The Catholic priest said, life begins at conception. The Methodist bishop says, no, life begins at birth. The Baptist pastor replied, no, life begins when the kids are gone and the dog dies. (laughs) Well, Solomon's got another perspective here in the book of Ecclesiastes. On a better day, I'd like to think that... uh, All three ministers would agree. Because Solomon concludes that life begins in fear and in following God. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 says, This is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is man's whole duty. Or in this man will find his all. Life begins in fearing God and in following God. Life above the sun must be brought into life under the sun. That's the thesis of the book of Ecclesiastes. Life doesn't begin until you and I bend the knee and bow the heart toward God. Heaven must join earth. Faith must join sight. Time must join eternity. And the Spirit of God must be wedded to the soul of man. That's the great lesson that Solomon wants to teach us. Solomon was a man who had known wealth, power, fame, wisdom, success, and achievement. And yet he will tell us throughout this book, and he begins here in verse 2 when he states all his vanity. He wants us to know that despite having all of that, he was plagued by a sense of emptiness and meaninglessness. Because there was a time in... Solomon's life towards the end of his life where he left God out of his life. And he's here to remind himself 
and to teach us that life begins in fearing God and in following God. Until we know God and are known by God, we start at no beginning and we work to no end as far as a satisfying life is concerned. Solomon wants us to realize that there is a hole in the soul of man and mankind that only God can fill. That's the message that he wants to get across here. And we started to look at this great book because we all hunger for substance and significance in life. And the book of Ecclesiastes will help us to satisfy that hunger. We did some housekeeping last time we were together. We looked at the authorship of this book. Who wrote it? We came to the conclusion for a number of reasons that it was written by Solomon. He's the most natural fit. He's the preacher mentioned in verse 1, the son of David, the king in Jerusalem. If you look at the things that he talks about, the opportunities that this writer had, the things that he experienced, we have a perfect profile of Solomon's life in terms of wisdom and works and wealth. Those within the Jewish tradition also agree that Solomon is the author. We then looked at the dating of this book. If it naturally falls within the time of Solomon's reign, where some were just under a thousand years before the Lord Jesus Christ. And Solomon wrote this towards the end of his life. He wrote the Song of Solomon early on. He wrote the book of Proverbs in the middle of his life. And he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes towards the end of his life. Then we looked at the audience. To whom did Solomon address himself? While there is a broad audience, I think we can narrow it down at least to the upper crust of Israeli society. Perhaps a royal family. Political figures, emerging leaders, visiting dignitaries. Because the word here, preacher, is Kohalath in the Hebrew. It speaks of one, a teacher who addresses an assembly or who addresses an audience. And and it may be fitting to imagine that there comes a day when Solomon addresses those in the royal court. Those from Israel and those from outside Israel. And he wants to teach them a lesson that came at great cost to himself. That life doesn't begin until we come to an end of ourselves and put our faith in God. And uh, we also begin to fear God and have him at the proper place within our lives. What was the purpose? Well, to warn his audience. To warn against godless hedonism. To warn against... um, secular humanism of trying to find a happiness outside of God. And he addresses his thoughts to the secular man and to the spiritual man. Someone wants the secular man, the man without God to know that he's the star witness in the case for the prosecution against the idea that life is to be had under the sun. Life is to be found in the, in the creation and the things that the creation provide, the material things. Solomon has walked that road and found it to be a dead end. And so he tells the secularists, when you get what you want, you won't want what you get. I'm here to tell you that. And he addresses the spiritual man, those within Israel, perhaps the young emerging leadership within the royal court who who are being exposed to to a, a variety of experiences. And he wants them to know, hey, there's nothing better than serving God. There's nothing better than fearing God and following God. That's where life is at. The one who gives us life can make a gift 
of life. He wants to remind them there's no greater good outside of God. He wants to warn those who are tempted to give the world a world not to do it. So now we can come to the text. We've understood the book's author. We've understood the dating of the book. We've understood its audience and its purpose. Let's now begin to look at the text here. There's three things I want us to see. Number one, I want us to see the preacher, verse 1. Then I want us to see his text, verse 2. And then I want us to start to listen to his sermon, verse 3. The preacher, the text, the sermon. Verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. While the author of this work never signs his name to the work, we have already established in our last study, there seems to be clear evidence that Solomon is the preacher in question. That the author of the book classifies himself as what? The preacher. It's Koheleth in the Hebrew. It, it carries the idea of a speaker in the assembly. And that thought is reinforced by the title that we have given to this book. It's called the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a form of the Greek word ecclesia, which is the common New Testament word for church. And so at the heart of this word is the idea of assembly. In the Greek culture, it spoke of a political gathering. The ecclesia was a political rally, a political group. The church is a group of those who, whose citizenship is in heaven. And so although Solomon doesn't identify himself directly, the author does present himself as one taking the role of a teacher. It's as if Solomon sets aside his scepter and picks up a piece of chalk. He goes to the blackboard and he starts scribbling. He starts teaching the class. He starts addressing the assembly and the audience. And he wants to talk to them about life. He wants to talk to them about the fact that life under the sun can be very empty and ethereal, very despairing, very disappointing. You know, life isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And he says, have you ever been there? And if you haven't been there, you'll get there. And I've been there, done that. Life can be vain, vacuous, vapid. And so he begins to address his audience, the preacher, the teacher, Koheleth. And he's about to address the issues of life. Verse 3, what profit has a man for all his labor in which he toils under the sun? What's it all about? So that's the preacher. And what he's about to share is part talk and part testimony. Solomon is about to talk about the issues of life. And he can do that both from his head and from his heart. He's well qualified to be the teacher, to stand up as the Koheleth in the middle of the assembly and speak Solomon had the resources and the opportunity to enjoy everything this world has to offer. He had access to the best schools of thinking. He swam in success. He was surrounded by opulence. He hobnobbed with the rich and the famous of this world. Solomon didn't read about what he's about to talk about. Solomon lived it. He's not just speaking from the head. He's speaking from the heart. He's a competent counselor because he can speak experientially and he can speak empathetically to the issue of life and how it's not really a, a bowl of cherries, it's a plate of prunes. It's not as good as you think at times or wish it to be. Talking about qualification to speak, I like the story of the young idealistic single pastor who 
who shared on many occasions with his congregation and other congregations a message he called the Ten Commandments of Confident Parenting. And he did that as a single man with no children and no wife. But then he was spoken to by a number of parents who who kind of said, Pastor, you know, you need to bring this down to earth a little. It's not as easy as that. There's not some kind of formula that uh, makes uh, parenting, uh, you know, go smoothly. And so even as a single pastor without children, he decided to listen to those. And so he started to to give the same talk under a new title, uh, 10 Suggestions for New Parents. But then he got married, had a couple of terrible twos himself, began to pull his hair out, realized, you know what, how uh, impractical he had been. And the next time he preached that message, he entitled it, 10 Hopes and Dreams for Struggling Parents. Been there, done that. And it affects the way you teach it. It gives you perspective and insight. It builds a bridge of identity with your audience. And so Ecclesiastes is part talk and part testimony. Let me develop that a little bit. This guy is qualified to talk about life, to talk about God, to talk about the material world and how they relate and intersect with each other. Let's think about Solomon's intellectual competence. He's well qualified to be a teacher. He's got the smarts to address this issue because he was a master in the field of education. He was a genius. He was a brainiac. He was no slouch in the fields of art and music and literature and science. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 29. And God gives Solomon wisdom, exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than all men. And the text out, outlines some of those men. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. Verse 32, he spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005 Also, he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even of the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish. And men of all nations, from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom, come to hear the wisdom of Solomon. You see his intellectual competence? This guy knew all about botany, zoology, philosophy, history, biology, theology. He was wiser Then all the men of the east, his fame went out among the nations. This guy had a head on his shoulders. You want that, don't you? When you are sitting in the classroom being addressed. Solomon's the teacher. He's the preacher. He's the Kohalath. And he's engaging to listen to. He speaks with authority and authenticity. He can speak to life. And he can speak to the issues of religion. In the spiritual world. Because Solomon was the son of David. Don't we read that in verse 1? In the words of the preacher. The son of David king in Jerusalem. What about David? Acts chapter 13, 22. We read of David that he was a man after God's own heart. David loved the things that God loved. Can you imagine? From a boy, Solomon imbibed the godly atmosphere and aims of that home. He listened as his father read the scriptures. He listened as his father sang the hymns of faith, which he himself had written, which we ourselves today sing out of the Psalter. 
the Hebrew hymnal. Can you imagine nighttime? The light goes out in the bedroom after David has sat on the edge of the bed and told Solomon the story of David and Goliath. Can you imagine that home? The spiritual temperature was high. And you know what? We read that Solomon came to love the God that his father loved and followed in the ways of his father. If you go to 1 Kings 3, verse 3, you read that Solomon loved the Lord and followed in the statutes of his father David. Solomon inherited many things from his father David in terms of the kingdom of Israel, but none of it compared to the inheritance of faith that was David's greatest legacy. Proverbs 13, verse 22. We read these words. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. David left an inheritance, a material inheritance, but he left a spiritual inheritance. He understood that there's no success without succession. And so do you get a picture of this preacher? Do you see his intellectual competence? Do you see his spiritual inheritance? Solomon had an extensive knowledge of life. Solomon had a deep experience of God. And in this book, he will talk about life above the sun. He will talk about life under the sun. In Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2, he says what? God is in heaven and we are on the earth. But Solomon could bridge those two worlds in his mind and in his heart. He's a qualified teacher. Look at Solomon's material affluence. He, he begins his treaties in this book with verse 3. What profit has a man from all his labor, from all his toil under the sun? The word profit there, as we'll see, is a term that comes out of the business world. It speaks of that which is left over. It speaks of profit margins. When all the bills are paid, when all the employees' wages are given out, what do you have left? Solomon was very aware of commerce and material world. In fact, for most of his reign, he sat on top of a pot of gold. Israel prospered during the time of David and the time of Solomon. In fact, in 1 Kings 10, 27, we read this. This is an amazing verse. Speaking of the prosperity that was enjoyed during the time of Solomon, we read in 1 Kings 10, verse 27, the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. Wow, talk about a surplus. There were, silver was as common as stones during Solomon's time. Solomon could, could buy and sell anything he desired. In fact, Jesus makes reference, doesn't he, to Solomon's opulence. Matthew 6, verse 28, 29, where he talks about Solomon and all his glory. Probably making a reference to the way Solomon was addressed because Jesus is telling his disciples not to worry. They're more valuable than the birds. They're in the air. More valuable than the grass and the lilies of the field that are cut down and put into the oven to bake bread. The, the lilies look so beautiful, even more than Solomon and all his glory and finery. So you get the impression this man was a man of means. He lived the dream that most of us are dreaming and I think we need to set up and listen. There's not anything you want he didn't have. Oh, you know, the toys change. We go from chariots to sports cars, but it's all the same stuff. There's nothing new under the sun. It's about excitement. It's about accumulating stuff. It's about feeding the mind and feeding the stomach and feeding the soul. 
with food and sex and companionship and knowledge. You know, Solomon has gone down all of those paths to the extreme. And that qualifies him to speak to the issues of life. A little point here concerning this last thought, Solomon's material affluence. Boy, this does remind us, doesn't it, that money cannot buy happiness? Boy, if anyone could teach us that, Solomon, where silver was as common as stones. Think of Solomon in all his glory. The food he ate, the clothes he wore, the rooms he slept in, the things he enjoyed, the vacations he took, his summer home, his winter home. But he says it's all vanity. Which reminds us that the pursuit of life and happiness is not a pursuit over the rainbow to a pot of gold. Because life does not consist in the things that we possess. This world is not enough. This world is not enough. And Solomon tells us that. And Jesus tells us that in Luke 12 verse 15. Solomon proves the fact and the fallacy that you can gain the world and still be a loser. Some people are so poor, all they've got is money. The Beatles told us, didn't they? Money can't buy you love. And we would add, Solomon, it can't buy you life. I like the, uh, the words of an anonymous writer. Money will buy a bed but not sleep. Books but not brains. Food but not appetite. A house but not a home. Medicine but not health. Amusement but not happiness. Finery but not beauty. A crucifix but not a savior. A passport that can take you anywhere in the world but heaven. Money can't buy you happiness, my friend. That's what Solomon wants to tell us, and he's qualified. We better listen. We better get our antenna up. We better put our ears on over these studies in the next weeks and months. Because the preacher is the son of David. A man with a big heart, a man with a great mind, a man who lived life to the full. And yet was left feeling very empty. He, isn't he, qualified to talk about life in the material world and God and the relationship between the one and the other. You name it, he had it. You name it, he did it. You name it, he tried it. This parishioner turned philosopher was once a playboy that lives life apart from God and he's here to tell us that everything was nothing in life under the sun detached from life above the sun when a man like Solomon finds life unsatisfying it should make us sit up and take note that's Philip DeCourcy on Know the Truth reminding us that money can't buy love or happiness or eternal life We're in day three of a new series in the book of Ecclesiastes called Quest for the Best, and you can hear previous messages online at ktt.org. Or order all the messages in the series on CD when you call 888-644-8811. And if you're new to Know the Truth, we'd like to send you one of Philip's most popular and practical messages on the subject of stress. It's called Handling the Pressure, and it's yours when you call 888-644-8811. Learn how you can have less stress by trusting God more. At Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy isn't looking to tickle your ears with vain doctrines. Instead, he's serving up Bible studies with the meat of God's Word to fortify you in the trenches of life. He also seeks to provide you with resources that transforms your thinking with God's Word. And this month is no exception. In fact, we're offering you a book Philip recently released titled, Help, I'm Anxious. 
This is a thoroughly practical guide for calming your fears by claiming peace in Christ. Philip includes plenty of scripture to uncover the sources of worry and fear, replacing these emotions with greater trust and faith in the Prince of Peace. The book is yours when you give a generous gift of $25 or more. So give online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. You can also send your gift to us by mail. Just write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. We rely on your generous donations to fuel this Bible teaching ministry. So donate $25 or more to Know the Truth and ask for your copy of Philip's new book, Help, I'm Anxious. I'm Wayne Shepherd. There's more bold Bible teaching coming to you next time on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. How many sales are you missing because you're not effectively using social media marketing? The vast majority of the population is on social media, shopping. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surrounddc.com surrounddc.com On behalf of Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland, we would like to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program, Practical Living, here on WAVA each Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. And join us for one of our weekend worship services, Saturdays at 6 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m., or 1 p.m. For more details, visit us at church-redeemer.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.